Welcome to CPO Open Mic, the podcast series that brings you experts in procurement. Beeline CPO Mike Schiappa sits down with leaders all over the industry to chat about their areas of expertise, passions, and a lot more. Tune in to every episode each month by following Mike on LinkedIn and at Beeline BMS on Twitter. Hello, everyone. Mike Schiappa here. Chief Procurement Officer at Beeline, and welcome back to the podcast series, CPO Open Mic. On today's episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Tanya Siri, who is the founding chairman of Procurious. Tanya is leading procurement and supply chain entrepreneur and is recognized as one of the most influential members of the global procurement supply chain profession. Like I said, Tanya is the founding chairman of Procurious, also the faculty and the source. Procurious is the world's first online community dedicated to procurement and supply chain professionals, which now has over 60,000 followers and members in 140 countries. And they provide news, networking, e-learning, empowering world firsts, including Big Ideas Summit, the Career Bootcamp, and Procurious is the global knowledge hub for a new generation of professionals. Established 16 years ago, the faculty has instigated a number of firsts for the procurement profession in Australia. The establishment of a procurement roundtable, which includes many of Australia's leading organizations, creation of an annual chief procurement officer forum, and attracting leading global procurement thought leaders to teach in Australia. So throughout, throughout her career, Tanya has wholly been committed to raising the profile of procurement and supply chain professions. And we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about that today and connecting its leaders. And she's a regular commentator and host of global webinars and, and digital events. So Tanya, I would like to welcome you to my podcast. Well, thank you, Mike. I'm very excited to be here today. Wonderful. So how are things going? It's been a while since we've caught up. (laughs) Really fabulous. I mean, I think I'm like everyone else navigating this new normal. And (laughs) but I'm thriving. It's definitely been challenging, but I'm very excited about the year ahead and what it brings for everyone in procurement and supply chain. Yeah, that's great. I think to start off, I'd like to talk a little bit about Procurious and what is Procurious all about? I mean, I know what it's all about, but I want my listeners to learn a little bit more. Well, it's a little bit like what you learn from the old world. You can adapt for the new world, Mike. So during my career with procurement throughout, you know, really around the world, I learned the power of bringing people together. So when I was based in the U.S. working for Alcoa, we sort of had 25 business units around the world. And we used to bring together the CPOs. And at first it was a real struggle for people to break down their business unit silos and their industry silos because they were all operating in different industries. But within six months, the power of that group was amazing. The amount of information was shared and that was learned was really phenomenal. And I saw the energy coming from that group of CPOs. So when I returned to Australia, I really thought, gee, how do I capture that? So I started some roundtables. That's been going for 15 years now. 
And then when I moved to London, I thought, how do I scale this globally? And of course, all the social media platforms were really taking off then. So I built Procurious and that's nearly nine years ago. I can't believe it. And that's essentially what it is. It's an online platform for people around the world to come together and share knowledge. I've often found that people managing a category, it can be quite a lonely place in procurement. You might be the only person managing your category in your industry, in your state, in your country. So if you can connect with others around the world who are doing similar things, it's actually quite comforting and quite empowering. So that's the concept behind Procurious. Just a bit of background, how it came together and years later, hopefully still going strong. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it's great. And I've participated obviously in a few of your events and it's the power of the collaboration amongst CPOs and procurement leaders is so impactful. And I know that the folks in in some of those sessions that that I was in with really got a lot out of it. And I've done them over the years as well. And they're, they're, they're extremely uh, powerful in networking and learning from other organizations and what they're doing and different obstacles and challenges, et cetera, which is fantastic. So being able to pull that all together in a structured way and with you hosting, it's really nice to see. (laughs) Well, you're a fantastic contributor, Mike, because you bring your experience. And I think this is something I really wanted to share today is that one of the most powerful parts of being involved in a community, a network, whether you're in a round table or whether you're just online is you really have to bring your authentic self. And that takes a lot of courage. You know, you shared some great stories about your career and a lot of people are afraid to share, but it's not until you sort of break through that pain barrier of, you know, <laughs> opening up until you really get the gains. But I'm getting a bit deep there, Mike. I'm probably... <laughs> Getting a bit too philosophical, but thanks for all your contribution to those discussions. I I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, some of those things are getting outside of the comfort zone on a lot of things. So I'm certainly learning and progressing as I go along. And I hope that other people do the same too. Take chances and have discussions around tough subjects and be open and what have you. And I think going back to the collaboration and having that network, it's critically important. So we'll talk a little bit more about networking after, but um, that, no, that's, that's fantastic. So when you, so you have access to all these CPOs and all these procurement leaders, and it's so exciting to me. I mean, that sounds like a really cool position to be in. And I certainly do a lot of, have a lot of discussions with CPOs on a regular basis as well. What do you, what's top of mind or what are some mm. common things that you're hearing from some mm. of these leaders nowadays that might be different from, you know, a couple of years ago? Mm. Well, I think what's amazing, very challenging now is that a lot of the paradigms that we've held true in procurement and supply chain for many years are now being challenged. So I'll just share four. We've all been in a rush to single source, often from low-cost countries, you know, low-cost country sourcing, and particularly China, but also Thailand, various other economies around the world. And we've really gone to sole source in those countries as well. And I think what the pandemic and the whole range of disruptions that have hit us have proven to us is that we actually have to diversify our supply base. 
And that's going to be a big job for everyone because everyone's sort of gone sole source to low-cost countries. And now they're realising, hey, we might have to build other suppliers, maybe reshore. And so that's going to be a lot of work. Another word for this is China plus one, but we can also say it's expanding the supply base. The risks and opportunities are just unbelievable right now, as we know. The pandemic was just one thing, but if you think about all the natural disasters, we've had floods in Europe, tsunamis in Asia, bushfires, you name it, it's really been challenging. And then we had the Suez Canal blockage. And then as a result of all of these things, of course, the sea freight challenge right now. So that's a whole dynamic that... CPOs need to be worrying about. Technology is a constant. Trying to get the ROI on these big ERP systems and see if you can use point solutions, but just rolling out the technology to global organisations. But of course, the big thing is people. And how do we manage our people, particularly if they're working uh, remotely right now? How do we keep everyone motivated? How do we retain them during this year of the great resignation? So CPOs are very busy right now. And I think the thing that they're really challenged with is a new way of leading. And if you're happy for me to keep uh, elaborating on that, I can, I can yeah. keep talking, Mike. But yeah. <laughs> Please. No, I, I love that. The new way of leading. That's, I'd love to learn more about that. <laughs> well, look, I think there's a, you know, there's a million things, but let's just pick two. Mm-hmm. The first thing is really about having to think the unthinkable. And we had an amazing guy, former BBC broadcaster, come and speak at Big Ideas a few years ago now. And what he said has just always resonated with me is that to get to the top previously, you really just had to follow the rules. But now the behaviours that sort of got people to the top, which is compliance, taking orders, following the rule book, no longer exist. What we need now as leaders and really as procurement and supply chain professionals around the world is to really adopt more of a questioning mindset and to really be able to adapt quickly in these situations. So you really can't have a fixed mindset anymore. You've got to have a toolkit of leadership and commercial capabilities that you can pull out of your tool bag at any time. You've also got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, don't you? I mean, because you don't know all the answers. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So that, that's a key thing, being able to really adapt to the situation or have a fixed mindset. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing is about managing our people. And I'd love to talk more about that with you. It's just totally blown up, hasn't in the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Anyone who used to rely on their people being in the office and watching them at their desks, that whole paradigm has changed. So that requires a whole bunch of skill sets. So it's an exciting time to be a CPO. It's a challenging time. But all our research shows that most people are energised right now by the challenge. So... That's good yeah. news. Well, boy, you, you hit on a lot of really interesting topics there, and I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I love the whole like new way of leading and before to, to kind of climb that corporate ladder, follow the rules, and now you know the leaders have to be having a questioning mindset. I wrote down adaptability and flexibility. Mm-hmm. 
And having that large uh, toolbox and uh, skill sets is critically important because the CPOs and procurement leaders are being pulled in so many different ways in different geographies and different seasons of the year, et cetera. So you really have to be very versatile as CPOs. The guardrails are kind of gray guardrails around what CPOs have to do these days, which is, which keeps it, it keeps it fresh and exciting. And I think it allows procurement leaders to be more progressive and and open up kind of like we were talking about before, you know, trying to think outside of the box and maybe get outside of the comfort zone a little bit, which is great. And then you talked about managing people. Boy, is that important? I mean, especially nowadays, managing people the right way and and having the right retention strategy in place Mm -hmm. is critically important. And I've been speaking about that (laughs) at, at nauseum, but it's so important. Anyway, yeah, that's, 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 I just had an analogy. I don't know if this uh, resonates with you, but kind of being a modern leader uh, um, today is like being a rock climber. You know, the guys that have the hard hats, they've got the the wires and all these sort of pins to get into the rocks. You've got a trail of people behind you connected by a string. (laughs) And it's almost like you've got to reach out and find a safe spot for that next step and tap that sort of nail into the, the mountain and then bring everyone with you. Meanwhile, wearing your hard hat for all the rocks that are falling, you know. <laughs> uh, it's just, I don't know, that just came to mind, but it's just so true. You don't necessarily know the path forward, but as long as you just keep on making the best decisions you can that progresses the effort, then you've just got to keep moving because The other thing is that it's easy as a leader right now to sort of become frozen by the enormity of the challenges. And I think what everyone just needs to remember, as long as they just make sound decisions and keep moving forward, we will prevail. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of the things that you didn't say, which which is really important and what I'm hearing a lot uh, across the board from CPOs and leaders is the traditional CPO going after savings as the top target or their strategic imperative is now it's going down the the priority list to like three or four on the list. And you Mm -hmm. didn't mention it, which is perfect because it's not as top of mind as it used to be in technology Mm -hmm. rollout, people and processes, et cetera, which Mm -hmm. is more important. And I was on an advisory board called just yesterday for a company that I'm on and, and uh, cost savings was something that came up, but it's not as high a priority as it used to be. So I'm seeing that shift too. And I think just by reading between the lines of what you said, I think you're seeing that as well. For sure. I mean, because today it's all about supply. The most important thing we can we need to do is keep our operations running and make sure everyone's got the materials they need to continue, you know, production, so to speak. So if you're a manufacturing company, as we know, just the price of raw materials around the world has just gone through the roof. So really, it's making sure that you're a customer of choice. And if you're more of a services industry, talent is your biggest input and we've got a huge talent shortage globally in key areas so you've actually got to be an employer of choice so this is really once again these paradigm shifts you know this is turning the world on its head is that now 
leaders, including procurement supply chain, actually have to almost reverse market and make themselves attractive to supply. And a lot of that comes down, you know, there's a whole range of options that people can use, but certainly in the talent space, purpose is a big attraction point and focusing on ESG. So, yeah, definitely, Mike's cost savings at the moment is down. It's like let's make sure we can keep production running and how do we secure the products and services we need to keep the uh, operations running. Yeah, no, absolutely. So following that, the tr- the talent train for a minute here, <laughs> I think and you talked about being attractive as a company for a talent to go work for that company. What do you think about culture of a company? How important is that? And what are you hearing and what are folks thinking about in terms of culture? Oh, it's everything because really today, I mean, employees have so much choice. So they're actually, and the next generation is really making these decisions. We used to say the boss was the key decision. And I think that's still true. You know, it's a very personal decision for the next generation of talent who they're going to work with. And they want to make sure that their boss has a great network and that their boss is going to promote them. So we can elaborate on that a bit further. But I think also this idea of purpose is super important is that the hottest talent wants to make sure they're working for ethical companies that they can sort of really unite with, that they can resonate with, they really buy into more than just, you know, the salary. So I think culture is key. Mm. And I guess I'm in a fortunate position. One of the reasons that I started my own company is that I really wanted to create a culture rather than a company. And that's what I've always said to everyone. I'm creating a culture, not a company here. Because essentially that's what people buy into and your customers buy into that too. And we can see that with all the research on Gen Z, they're going to be reviewing carefully what our ethics, what our, you know, what our thinking is around the way we operate. But for me, it's been key to the success of my companies over the last two decades is having a strong culture. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I love the purpose. I love your the way you say create a culture, not a company. It's so spot on to me. And you know, me personally within the Beeline organization, the culture is is absolutely amazing, and mm-hmm. it just uh, permeates across the board. And you're absolutely right. I mean, customers are they're buying from you and they're buying into your organization and the people even if you're selling technology you're still buying people yeah right absolutely and i think if i was a cpo right now i'd be thinking a lot about culture because to build on our earlier discussion we need a culture of inquirers of people who are comfortable with being uncomfortable People who have questions, not answers, and can work across the organisation and build, bring people together to solve problems. I read something, Mary Barra from GM made an announcement the other week around their, you know, autonomous vehicle program. And she said, she called her the employees industrial problem solvers. And I just thought, I love that term because yeah. I think essentially that's what we need. We need. There's so many obstacles at the moment. We really need people in our organisation who can navigate that 
and, and solve problems. And for a long time, I've been saying people are worried about the bots, they're worried about automation and AI, RPA. And I really do think that the future for our profession is being in the centre of this. We're going to have so much technology available to us. But at the end of the day, we've got to be the ones who bring it all together and drive commercial outcomes that benefit our company. And as we've just said now, you know, these multi-variable sort of decisions that we're going to have to make, it's not just going to be low cost. It's going to be about supply, it's about geopolitical issues, but it's also going to be about modern slavery and ethical sourcing. You know, there's so many many data points in some of these decisions that we're making now that we almost have to have more technology to become more human, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> you know, the more holistic and caring we need to be in the decisions, the more we're going to need technology because we just need so much information. We do. Yeah, we need so much information. I, I think sometimes we want more information than we actually need. But, but yeah, and I think there's so much there's so much technology. And I think going back to the, the leadership and you're talking about a modern leader, which I think is really cool, is mm. being able to take all of those various inputs, all those various technologies and orchestrate a, an architecture of technology that works for that organization and your yeah. goals, your strategic imperatives. That's a hard thing to do, especially in a world that's changing so much all the time. So yeah. it's not a one size fits all, right? Well, and the other thing is we touched on rolling out technology, but the, the other, the the big disconnect is that in a global company, it really takes you two or three years to probably properly roll out technology yet the world's moving so quickly so that's one of the challenges is you do have to pick something that you know that's going to hopefully last because you'll only just finish rolling it out and then it'll change again it's a big challenge and we have been sort of I'm going to say burdened but that wouldn't be fair to my friends at the big technology houses these big erps they have been a, a huge commitment let me say that to mm-hmm. to other large companies and if we look in the technology space there's something apparently like three or four thousand e-procurement technology providers out there in the market right now i don't know how they're all going to survive but mm-hmm. it's obviously a hot market full of you know best of breed and point solutions so there's certainly a lot of choice I think the big challenge is how do we roll these things out yeah yeah how do you roll them out how do you get the impact it's it's all time to value right how quickly can you get it and how quickly can you get that ROI and while I mean I've rolled out technology many times and it's hard it's, oh yeah it's really hard. Yeah. And I think it's a bit like one of my observations about homeschooling during lockdown. You actually learn a lot by leaning over and asking the person beside you, hey, how do I do this? <laughs> <laughs> and whether you're a child at home learning your math or you're someone grappling with the, you know, a procurement technology system at work part of the learning is just leaning over to the person next to you and saying, how do I do this again? And, <laughs> you know, working remotely is a further challenge to that. And once again, the 
global procurious research shows that has been a big frustration with people is just those basic communication challenges from working from home is causing a lot of stress. Yeah, no, that's, that is definitely an issue there. So let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about you a little bit, Tanya. You've you've lived in Australia, lived in London, you lived in the US, but you've probably lived in other areas too. (laughs) Your career is is, uh, phenomenal. You've done a lot of different things. And I think what I'd like to learn a little bit more about is tell me like, what are some things that have helped you or who have helped you throughout your career and some just some advice for my listeners as they're continuing through their career journey. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Well, Mike, one of the leadership traits I value most is humility. So I don't really like to talk much about myself. <laughs> as you know. But also, well, one of my signature traits is gratitude. And I'm grateful that I'm grateful. <laughs> so I've had an amazing uh, career and a a great life and I guess um, it's been very eclectic I've always wanted to learn I've always traveled so I've had two stints in London once when I was in my 20s and I had a fantastic time there working for the Walt Disney Company in their international television department and then I've moved around Australia then when I was doing my MBA I had the chance to move to the US and finish my MBA there at Penn State which was fantastic and then had three or four years in Pittsburgh with Alcoa when they were setting up their global procurement you know team so that was really when leveraged buying first started so that was amazing experience I got to do the first e-procurement technology rollouts, reverse options, global savings databases. Basically, they threw me into anything new that needed to be rolled out. And and I guess that's kind of maybe my superpower is actually bringing people together and building understanding. And yeah, maybe that's as a result of uh, moving around the world and having to start anew and build momentum around new ideas. That's kind of a bit of a potted history. They say that entrepreneurs, it's in the gene pool. I come from a long line of unsuccessful small business owners. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you learn a lot growing up around the dining room table about business management. So It's great, but I've also had an amazing insight to the sea level because my husband is a real superstar and I don't talk about him nearly enough, but my husband for 20 years was either a CPO or a CEO of a listed company. Mm. So I've, you know, my childhood was in small business, but my sort of adulthood is very being much um, around the boards and leaders of senior companies and probably that's been one of my best learnings ever is really understanding what happens at the C-level, how they view talent, what boards care about, what CFOs care about because particularly in our profession that's key and I do think one of the key traits for success wherever you are is really understanding what the C-level expects and how you can align your activities with with the overall corporate strategy. So that's definitely been a great insight along the way. And I think whoever your partner is a key business decision as well, because my partners supported me in my career 100%. 
hopefully as I have to my partners. I do think that's critical and um yeah, is that enough, Mike? Have I opened up enough? <laughs> you did a great job. I know you don't like talking about yourself, but that's, that's awesome. I didn't know that about your husband. I, I did know that you're you <laughs> brought people together throughout your career, which is fantastic. And you continue to do that. And uh, that's great. And I'm grateful for being associated with you as well in your uh, organization. So Mike. yeah. Well, something else. I'm not sure if we have time, but I was going to share you know, my own little COVID leadership journey because I feel like I have totally changed the way I lead. And I don't know about you, but this whole move to remote working and really trusting your team has been a huge awakening. And we've just rolled out, I'm so proud of, like this whole new employee benefits handbook that just has things that I've never would never have dreamt of two or three years ago that just gives our employees so much flexibility and there's been so many interesting and positive conversations around the table around that but I don't know what's happening with you is everyone back in the office have things changed in your organization yeah, our organization was, it's a hybrid, right? We have a few locations and some folks are coming into the office on a kind of sporadic basis. And a lot of people work from home as well. And it hasn't changed too much in the recent past, although we we have been starting to get together a little bit more, which is which has been nice face-to-face. Some people are, are still not comfortable with that, which is perfectly okay. But yeah, no, it's changing a little bit and it'll be interesting to see how that continues to evolve over the next several months. Yeah. 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 But I think the key there is, and I think you touched on this before, is making people comfortable and, and, you know, continuing to feel like they're valued employees and obviously the benefits around the, Mm. around being able to work from home and having the flexibility is crucial for having that work-life balance and, getting the most out of people, because I think that's that's the key. Well, we have two days in the office and our team, well, at least here in Melbourne, where I've been for the last two years, I haven't been back to London for two years. So I've still got a home there and, but we've had a great time here. I mean, such a beautiful city. The team's very happy to come in a couple of days because what we do for those two days is collaborate and get all our brainstorming and planning done. But then working from home, you can really power through whatever you need to get done. So that's important. Yeah. Yeah. There's no substitute for, for in-person. Yeah. I mean, we can, yeah. The impact of just being together and collaborating is just immeasurable. It's, we figure it out. We learn how to, we learn how to adapt. Mike, something I did want to share today that has been a little personal success thing for me has been looking at your pit crew. So let's just say you are a Formula One racing car driver Think of who you need around you. First of all, you need a sponsor. So we all need sponsors in large organisations, someone who's willing to support you and advocate for you and really put their brand on your leadership journey. But also what's important are the people that do what could be seen as the most repetitive tasks, the people who put the bolts on your tyres and keep you going. Because if those people in your team aren't supporting you as well, literally the wheels fall off. 
So look, obviously, we're not a pit crew. You need people around you who you can go to for emotional support, for leadership decisions, how you manage your team. And the key is to find people in your network who really do have strengths in these areas and particularly strengths that you don't have so that you can go and get their advice. Another funny thing that someone once told me is to really be best friends with your enemy. It sounds like something from a Godfather movie. You can actually learn a lot from the people that you get on with the least because there's a reason why your personalities don't really mesh and you're going to find a lot of people like that in your career. So if you can actually understand why you're sort of rubbing against someone else's personality. It could be one of the biggest leadership lessons you learned. So yeah, Mike, that was just a couple of little thoughts, a little pit crew analogy that I thought I might share with your uh, listeners today. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great example for the listeners. It's proven to be true for myself as well. Having, I love that terminology of the pit crew, my, my pit crew to help me out as well, uh, critically important. The, the last thing I wanted to end with, I do remember you talking to me about Bravo and that's with the women in supply chain and procurement. I'd love for you to talk a, a couple minutes about that. No, absolutely. Thank you, Mike, because it's a huge passion and something that I'm putting a lot of energy into right now to prepare for the launch of this global program. But look, I've never really organised or orchestrated women-only programs in the 20 years I've been in business because I've always felt that, you know, in fact, we had to be inclusive of all all genders and that it wasn't right to call out one particular gender and that probably by leading and being a female entrepreneur in my profession was a big contribution because as they say you can't be what you can't see so I try to be quite visible if you've ever been on LinkedIn and and Mm -hmm. and set the scene but I what I've realized during particularly COVID is that women definitely have been disadvantaged by the pandemic and it's probably set back women in business at least a couple of decades because they're still traditionally taking on a lot of the physical and emotional domestic labour. And so I really wanted to do something and I was approached by a client to initiate this program and we ran it in APAC last year and we had 400 participants. And it's really bringing women together and just really inspiring, motivating, speaking to them as a particular, you know, subset or important subset of our profession so we'll be rolling that out shortly we'll have events master classes mentoring opportunities so it should be a lot of fun and we've got a lot of feedback from our global community we've been also talking a lot about ethical sourcing and I think this will be a great opportunity for women to help all women in the supply chain so as we know quite often women are the more disadvantaged segment of the supply chain if we think about textile workers, various other industries impacted by modern slavery. So it'll be a really great opportunity to shine a light on all women in the supply chain. So hopefully some of your listeners can participate and hopefully we can get Beeline involved as well. So in one form or another. Yeah, that is so wonderful. I I haven't heard of anybody doing anything like that. So 
So bra bravo to you for doing doing that. Uh, that is that that's amazing. So is there a particular place or uh, yes on the Procurious platform? So we'd love all your listeners to okay. jump on and become a member of Procurious. Look, you do have to fill in a bit of information to start. We just want to make sure our community is very authentic and are in fact in procurement and supply chain. But yep. once you're registered, it's really one click to register for any of our webcasts, um, download any of the reports. So once you're in there, it's just a one click into the future to download all the materials. That's really cool. I, I'm, sh I'm sure you'll have a few women that are, will, will take you up on that offer listening to this. So I appreciate that. That's awesome. Well, we also have a few Beeline white papers and webcasts in there too, Mike. So, you know, that's handy for everyone to that understand. <laughs> that sure is. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, listen, Tanya, it's been uh, a pleasure speaking with you today. I I've learned a tremendous amount and uh, I really appreciate your time and your efforts for continuing to help this industry collaborate and network. And obviously that last piece on Bravo, that's uh, pretty magnificent. So again, thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Mike. I always love catching up with you. So look forward to seeing you soon. Excellent. Thank you. I'd like to thank all of you again for listening. Be safe out there and have a great day. You've been listening to CPO Open Mic with Beeline CPO Mike Schiappa. Tune in to each episode every month by following Mike on LinkedIn and at Beeline BMS on Twitter.